Rebels, you're listening to a free audio-only recording of my weekly Wednesday night show, The Gun Show. Tonight, my guest is someone who is very familiar to Albertans. He's been around in conservative activist circles for a long time, and he's a contributor to the Western Standard Online. My guest tonight is Corey Morgan. We're talking about Nenshi. We're talking about federal politics. We're talking about the Wee scandal and Christia Freeland, basically everything happening right now in the news. If you like listening to the show, then you're going to love watching it. But in order to watch, you need to be a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's what we call our premium long-form TV-style shows here on Rebel News. Our subscribers get access to my show, which I think, of course, is obviously worth the price of admission alone. But you also get access to David Menzies' fun Friday night show, Rebel Roundup, as well as Ezra's nightly Ezra Levant show. Just go to rebelnews.com slash subscribe to become a member of Rebel News Plus. It's only eight bucks a month. I don't think you're going to regret it. And just for our podcast listeners, you can save an extra 10% on a new Rebel News Plus membership by using the coupon code podcast when you subscribe. That's rebelnews.com slash subscribe to become a member today. And if you like the show, and frankly, I'm pretty confident that you do since you're already here, please leave a five-star review wherever you find us because that's a great way to support the show without ever having to spend a dime, but it does something else. It also helps other people find the show. Now, please enjoy this free audio-only version of my show. Calgary's Mayor Nahid Nenshi sucks up to BLM and gets it all wrong, and Bill Morneau is out at finance. I'm Sheila Gunn-Reed, and you're watching The Gun Show. is absolutely overflowing, brimming with news, and it's only Wednesday. Finance Minister Bill Morneau has resigned. His position and his seat, Christian Freeland, is being shuffled into finance. It's going to be a disaster, but it means the wee scandal has claimed its first head. And Calgary's mayor, Nahid Denshi, well, he's busy being a progressive mayor, very nearly getting rid of a beloved mural to kiss up to Black Lives Matter before public outrage and Kean Bexty's pressure campaign pump the brakes on that ill-thought-out plan. There's just so much to talk about. Tonight's show guest is someone who is definitely familiar to Albertans like me. He's been around in conservative activist and Western separatist circles for a very long time. However, I'm not all that sure Corey Morgan is still a Western separatist. In fact, as a joke, Corey ran for the NDP nomination in his home riding in the last provincial election. He lost, but he was the best feminist that he could be. Joining me tonight in an interview we recorded yesterday afternoon is Corey Morgan. He's a Western Standard online contributor and an entrepreneur. Now from his home in Calgary is Corey Morgan. He's a contributor to the Western Standard Online. He's also a podcaster and a former entrepreneur and a critic 
of Calgary's Mayor Nagid Nenshi. Uh, Corey, thanks for joining me. Uh, we had some things, Calgary-focused things, that we wanted to talk about, and we'll get to those. But first, let's talk about uh, the news that is sucking up all the oxygen in uh, Canadian politics, and that's the resignation of Finance Minister Bill Morneau. It appears the WE scandal has claimed its first head, maybe, I don't know. I think he's just a sacrificial lamb. Um, but you're an opinionated guy. What do you think? Oh, yeah. Well, they needed somebody to fall on their sword. This thing wasn't going away. They were hoping and praying and trying to distract, but it wasn't going to happen. They're hiding Trudeau, which is their always their strategy when things go badly because he's not cerebral enough to deal with it himself. And uh, they had to show that they're doing something. So Morneau's still got a billion dollars to sleep on uh, in retirement, and it looks like he's going to, to the OECD. So he'll have a soft landing, and, and they've got to try and rejig themselves. It, it's, it changes nothing, though. It's, it's the same gang, the same group. Uh, they're just shuffling the chairs. Uh, Freeland's one of the brighter ones as far as it goes in, in his caucus and cabinet, so that's where he had to go, though I don't know how well she'll do in finance. But it also just shows how shallow that pool uh, they have to draw from in the in the whole Liberal caucus is. Uh, that's that's the best they can do. So we're we're just going to see more of the same. Yeah, I mean, how do the Liberals think that this is going to make the problem go away by having Bill Morneau, as you say, fall on his sword? Uh, which sword, the diamond encrusted one or the solid gold one? I mean. Um, it, He's accused of doing many of the same things that Trudeau is in trouble for. His family was enriched through his ties to the WE charity. So is Trudeau. So I don't know how Trudeau can accept his resignation um, on this issue, except insofar as they say, well, it's not about WE. It's just time for somebody else. It's, it's time for somebody else in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of a financial meltdown. It's time for somebody else to be the finance minister. I can't believe they want Canadians to believe this garbage. Yeah, well, that's part of it. There's no contrition being shown here. So this isn't going to close the door for him. I mean, they're not admitting, even though everybody looking at it can tell, this is due to the Wee scandal. But no, I mean, I'm surprised you didn't say, oh, I'm just going to go spend more time with my family. I mean, that seems to be the stock answer for political uh, people leaving in scandal. I, I mean, they need, to, if they do have somebody falling on a sword, actually, they need somebody to say, I'm, I am resigning because of this. And still nobody has taken any responsibility or even admitted wrongdoing. So th this isn't going to do them any favors. Uh, but he's just getting well again is good. Now, you you did mention that it looks as though Freeland is going to be sworn in as the finance minister as we're recording this. This will go to air on Wednesday. We're recording Tuesday afternoon. Um, I, I mean, she seems to be their go-to girl for everything, but I'm not even... I, I was never confident of her uh, skills at uh, global affairs, I, I'm, I don't know how she's supposed to be a finance minister. I mean, she drew us into trade wars with the United States and never really resolved them. We're still in some of them. And now she's going to handle finance, again, during a, a, a major financial meltdown. Yeah, well, it, it comes to who else are they gonna get? Uh, I mean, they, they just don't have a lot of depth in that caucus to, to build a decent cabinet. And, at least of all things with Freeland, while she might have been lackluster in a number of areas, she doesn't seem to have fallen into scandal, which is a, a rare trait among liberal cabinet ministers, it seems, these days. So they'll, they'll take the cleanest one they got and, and put her front and center because, I mean, essentially, the finance minister is second in command to the prime minister. Uh, you know, deputy prime minister is more a token role. So uh, it's the best they got. And we'll see where she goes. I don't anticipate much. Now, uh, one last thing on this issue. Um, 
the media, uh, they seem to be treating this a, more fairly than they have other um, Trudeau kind of scandals. However, if Stephen Harper had lost um, an attorney general, a health minister, and a finance minister, all you know, within about 18 months, um, the media would be saying that his government was in full-scale meltdown. And yet this is just, you know, well, you know, there's the WE scandal has claimed its first head instead of Justin Trudeau's lack of ethics uh, is basically causing cabinet to collapse. Yeah, well, they say, well, it's bad, but it's liberals being liberals, you know, so we just got to accept that. That's just part of the way we do things in Canada. Uh, we see that Laurentian elite among the mainstream media. It's the same group that they just say is part of doing business. And of course, a lot of them are getting a great deal of government largesse for taking on that attitude. Though they'll they'll deny that that influences it. I mean, oh, we got to get real here. Uh, yeah, there, there's a, certainly a big double standard between how the media treats conservative governments and, and liberal ones. And we're seeing they would have been screaming for blood if this had been the Harper administration. And uh, seeing as it's Trudeau, they, they are at least being critical, but not nearly enough to warrant the fact that this is examples of gross entitlement and corruption that really should be making more headlines. Yeah, it's sponsorship level corruption, at least. And nobody's treating it that way. However, I guess for you and I in this economic climate, it, it gives us job security at our respective media companies as long as the mainstream media is so terrible. It's great for Western Standard. It's great for Rebel oh. News. The, the mainstream media is their own worst enemy. They, they honestly, they get more hostile towards alternative media sources because they're, they're scrambling while they swirl the drain. They don't understand why people are turning away from them. But instead of looking at themselves and adjusting their behavior, they just double down on the bad behavior. And, and I, I feel bad for people losing their jobs, but I, I'm not feeling too sad watching the mainstream outlets starting to swirl the drain. Yeah, I mean, they're starting to swirl the drain However, Justin Trudeau is bailing them out. Um, so, I mean, the, I guess that we won't even have that market correction that will allow them that come to Jesus moment about their own behavior because Justin Trudeau is preventing it, at least, you know, in the time being. Um, now, staying on uh, federal politics, I wanted to ask you about the Conservative Party leadership race because if I'm interpreting uh, your social media presence correctly. You're a conservative, libertarian type, but uh, nonpartisan. You're not invested in this, um, all that, you know, uh, personally. Um, what is your take on the leadership race? Is it a coronation for Peter McKay, or are we actually going to see some competition here? I don't know. Yeah, I've let my conservative membership lapse, even though that's where I tend to, to lean voting-wise. Uh, it, it's, it's certainly they wanted it to be a coronation for McKay uh, when... Uh, Pierre stepped aside earlier. It was clear he was making room for prior deals for Peter to come in. Uh, it's been interesting to watch Lewis really gaining some traction in steam, though. Uh, she's she's surprising a lot of people, and I think what people do want to see is somebody outside of the establishment. Uh, she's a little socially conservative for my tastes, but at least she's willing to shake the tree a bit, which appeals to me. I, I think her chances of winning, though, are still probably pretty darn slim. So it's between McKay and O'Toole. I don't see much changing, and McKay is only a short step away from being among the Liberal Party. It's, it's the same old gang from, from Ottawa. Uh, O'Toole, you know, again, not too distant from that. So I, I don't hold a lot of optimism, I'm afraid. I, I wish I could, uh, but I just see more of the same coming along. And it's the system. It's not going to change. You, you have to pander to Central Canada, Eastern Canada, or you're not going to win power, and that's all there is to it. 
Yeah, that's the thing with uh, Lewis. She's at least honest. Like, I think we all knew that um, Andrew Scheer was a social conservative. Everybody knew, but he wasn't honest about it. He would say, well, you know, I am this, but I'm also, you know, these are my, I, I, I'm this way in my political life and I'm this way in my real life. And nobody really believed what he was saying. He offended the social conservatives who knew exactly what he was. And the uh, the socially progressive wing of the party just, felt like he was being completely dishonest. At least Leslie Lewis is honest about who and what she is. But I do agree with you that um, there's a Biden-esque quality about Peter McKay in that he's not out there doing debates and he sort of feels like it's his turn. And that's a terrible reason to want to be prime minister. That's how we got Justin Trudeau. Yeah, we, we don't need somebody else coming in on a sense of entitlement right off the bat. Uh, I mean, in his defense in a slight way. I mean, what a terrible year to try and hold a leadership yeah. race. So we haven't had opportunities for him or any of them to really to go to any large rallies or try to do what would be traditional leadership sort of events to, to build up some steam or engage more with people on the ground and see what are, or they're about or what they're going to do. But again, he certainly hasn't set the world on fire. We just seem to be seeing more of the usual campaign machine on the ground, just want to pump up those memberships and win that leadership. Principles don't really matter. No, they never really do. It's all about the vote count in, as you pointed out, central and eastern Canada. Now, let's talk closer to home. Um, let's talk about Mayor Nahid Nenshi. You've been a critic of him. I've been a critic of him. Um, he wanted to paint over a beautiful, unproblematic, to use the language of the left, mural in Calgary, um, I, I suppose to pander to BLM activists, and this was going to be an expensive proposition. The mural is saved for now, for a year. Yeah. Um, what do you think about all of this? And uh, here's what I think at the end of it all, that mural's gonna get painted over because he's just kicking the can down the road to make sure the outrage fire goes out. Uh, possibly, I don't know. I think people actually got mad enough when it came to that urinal <laughs> mural. <laughs> They're, they're, they're not going to take it. Uh, but what is going to happen is they're going to paint other murals at that 120000 tax dollar price tag in other areas in the city. And it's, it's really some, been something to observe. So this came to kind of a quiet vote in July in council where it was split, but they won by one vote, the usual left versus right sort of thing. Because Calgary has screwed up its arts program so long, so badly, so many times. There was supposed to be a freeze on arts spending. There wasn't supposed to be any. And they made an exception and a council vote to for specifically to make Black Lives Matter murals in the city. So to pander to this extreme group. And that slipped through quietly. People didn't really notice it, actually. It wasn't until it turned out that they were targeting this particular mural. And that's when people had had enough. I mean, and it shows that this group, it really demonstrated how extreme these Black Lives Matter activists are. Because they targeted that mural to give the middle finger to the city. That's the truth of it. This was a progressive mural. This was a mural of the Calgary Urban Project Society. It showed multicolored hands releasing a dove. I mean, this is a, a typical progressive less leftist inclusive dream up on a, on a wall, but it was at least uh, attractive to look at and people accepted it as a part of downtown. It was in perfect condition actually for being as old as it is. They wanted it. And again, it's because it has to be us. It has to be front and center. And the outrage they showed again when the city pushed back uh, and the petulance uh, showed that sense of entitlement. And it, uh, and then, of course, what it compounded 
was Nancy suddenly got on the pulpit and said, oh, these racists, you know, are what pushed this down. And, and uh, you know, they've got to get out of the city. And he started race baiting, which makes things even worse. And I'm getting sick of it. And Calgarians are getting sick of it. This had nothing to do with race. This had to do with people putting their foot down with these public art things that are, in this case, ruining an existing one that, you know, we don't have much public art that's actually attractive. And you actually want to target that one. <clears throat> it had nothing yeah. to do with race. Yeah, uh, I mean, it. <laughs> That really seems to be Nenshi's go-to sometimes. That's his big fat shut up is you're all a bunch of racists if you disagree with what we're doing. Um, and again, as you rightly point out, it was multicultural hands, rainbow hands and a oh. dove. So it was like, you know, all these cultures coming together in peace, which is what they tell us Black Lives Matter is all about. But, um, you know, Black Lives Matter's tactics in attacking this mural, it really, it sort of tipped Black Lives Matter's hand about uh, who and what they really are. Because it's not really about peace, is it? Because we're not seeing a lot of peace around their protests. It's really about tearing down the structures that we have from our art to our family to, you know, uh, the structures of government. Absolutely. And they are not a benign group. And people have to stop pretending that they are. I mean, Black Lives Matter in Alberta shut down the Pride uh, Parade in Edmonton. You know, these guys, they've got no respect for their progressive allies either. And they, they insist on pushing their way to the front and being in the front at all costs. Uh, we saw in Portland, a Black Lives Matter mob, it looks like beat a man possibly to death uh, because he was trying to drive a vehicle through there. This is not, and, and this is what race baiting and this sort of crap leads to it. It infuriates the, which again, are extremists and in a minority, but they wrap themselves around this group and people think that they're above critique, and that's the worst possible thing. Because the name Black Lives Matter, okay, that term in itself, sure, that's fine. But this represents a much bigger group of extremists, just like Antifa. And they try to say, well, if you don't like Antifa, it means you support fascism. No, no, I just don't support you crazy buggers. Uh, but they, they've been well in cloaking their, their extreme groups uh, with these names and putting themselves beyond critique. But I think hopefully the public's getting up and saying, that's enough. You guys are extreme. We're tired of you. Uh, we're going to push back. And, you know, Nenshi can call us racists all he wants. Yeah, and it blew up in his face because he ended up calling a substantial part of his city just racist. And probably people who voted for him, you know, because that was a progressive mural. And, uh, you know, he just, he's prone to doing those sorts of things. Um, next topic, extremist, uh, I guess, police officers. Um, in southern Alberta, drag a farm boy from his tractor, and uh, it looks a lot to me like police brutality. Um, and I haven't heard a lot from the justice minister about what's going on there. No, well, unfor for, unfortunately for him, it's because it lands right in his own backyard. This was the sheriff's, so these are his cops. Yeah. Um, I, I was very disappointed to see it. I, I, I want to see more provincial policing and, and local policing and, yeah. and because there are some cultural issues definitely within the RCMP and we're seeing it with city police. It, it's ironic. Yeah. The black lives matter is exposing some of that where, where there's been brutality and things going on. It's just that they've gone too far off with their Marxism and, and other diversions. But we do see that, that police forces really have some issues in, in dealing with situations without escalating them into, uh, potential violence. And this was uh, a brutal case. It makes you wonder what, how much was going on before everybody was videoing everything you did? Because if this never got caught on a camera phone, we wouldn't be talking about it today. It would just be another guy who was beat up, he'd be charged, he'd plea it down, and he's just an 18-year-old kid who was doing what every farm kid in the tractor does. Uh, 
it's bizarre actually is what it was that that, that response I, I don't understand where it's coming from and i think we should be hearing from the justice minister and talking about how do we fix this this aggression problem that we have i mean if any situation where you should be de-escalating and talking it's an 18 year old kid in a tractor what threat did you think you had there it's absurd yeah i mean we sent kian bexty out to uh the family farm and uh this could not be a nicer more peaceful family um it just hardworking, uh, devout uh, family. And, you know, of all the people to be dragged out of a tractor and assaulted on a highway, um, you know, it, it's kind of surprising that it was Jeremiah. And you do make a great point. I, I live rurally, so do you. Uh, police response times for us are terrible. Um, we know that. The police know that. We are, at least for me, I'm an advocate for and increase policing in rural communities crime is out of control um but it does a lot to damage the relationship between rural people and our police force when we see these sorts of things happening and doug schweitzer's silence on this issue uh it's not what people need right now no if we want community policing the number one word and that's a problem with policing on every level is trust we've got to have a relationship yeah. of trust between the citizens and the police and with rural people, we're seeing it broken. Eddie Maurice, look at the ringer he went through for daring to defend his family and his household. And the RCMP treated him like a criminal for months. His life was on hold for a year due to the civil suit. Uh, this has to stop. And they, yet they're telling uh, us as rural residents, you shouldn't defend yourselves. You shouldn't defend your property. It's up to us. Call the police. They will come help you. Well, no, it looks like they're setting up on daytime highway check stops and uh, beating up farm kids rather than... Uh, driving around on patrol and protecting our property. So we've got a real problem here. You're telling us not to protect ourselves, but you aren't protecting us while you're at it. Uh, we got some things. So again, Schweitzer should be addressing this and I hope he does soon. I do too. Now, I think I promised you we'd wrap up in about 20 minutes. So I'm going to give you um, the opportunity to tell our viewers here at Rebel News how they can find the work that you do um, with Western Standard Online, but also your podcast, how they can support the work that you do or how to get in touch with you sure well uh, western standard online is where i've been writing columns lately and i'm actually managing their podcast and digital end of things so we're going to be upping the game there and getting some more uh well, alternative news going and coverage going uh for my own personal stuff and my own personal podcast it's always posted on coreymorgan.com and the best support i can get is just come on in and listen and tell me what i'm doing right or, or even more fun tell me when uh, i'm doing something wrong i enjoy that I do enjoy the hate mail too. Uh, Corey, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, hopefully we'll have you back on again real soon. Yeah, you bet. Looking forward to it. Thanks. Now, I spoke to Corey yesterday afternoon before Freeland had given her first speech as finance minister in that speech. She said she was going to decarbonize the economy, which of course is shorthand for Kill the West. That was a clear message Freeland was sending to all Canadians, but especially to us here in Alberta. And I'm very, very sorry to end the show on such a dark note, but it is evidently clear. Things are going to get much worse for us under the Trudeau Liberals. And if things are bad for Alberta, we can't do what we've always done and help lift up the rest of the country. Well, everybody, that's the show for tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll see everybody back here in the same time, in the same place next week. And remember, 
Don't let the government tell you that you've had too much to think.